Hi, and welcome to the Silverline Podcast, an audio version pulled from the video stream we do a couple of times a week. My name is Roland Mann, and I'm the head honcho at Silverline, where we have a great time making fun comics that we think you'll enjoy. Tonight's topic, and uh, as you can see, we can stay on task very well, is how comics have influenced our, mostly our work. But I'm going to, because I can, and I've been given this authority, I'm going to allow this to say how comics have influenced our lives. And not just the creators, but also the characters within the stories and how the <coughs> stories have influenced as us as well. Because I think that's how we're all... I lost audio for Scott. Oh, I just lost audio for everyone. Hold on. Good stuff. That's right. <laughs> okay, the okay, Zoom is coming back. Yeah. Something Scott just said. <laughs> see there. All right, the, the Zoom uh, is coming back, I think. Oh, are we not? Are we out there? Let's see oh, uh, we've been streaming. Uh, it's been it's Zoom, not my internet. So okay. the stream the stream is still alive. It's just Zoom isn't connected. Okay, there it goes. Okay, I, I, I can see you guys now. Oh well. Okay. We can yep. see all. Okay. Uh, I, we got to start over. I lost my train. <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> we had such a flow going. So oh oh, I was going to give full disclosure about Scott Wakefield. I am relatively new to the comic book world in so much that I put a lot of thought into it. Meaning I read for fun on and off. Um, but I, I, and I, I hope I don't become a pariah in the comic book world, but I was, I did not, I was not just steeped in it like some of you guys. And so um, I, I want to, curate this discussion and allow you guys to talk and i will chime in as i can um but and i do have some i do have some input so i want to open this up um i i had a few questions that i asked i don't know if anybody wants to start um does anybody have want to start right off with, with what was your the biggest influence from comic books on you and i'm, I'm keeping it broad because it can be did did a did a comic book change your life, or did it give you a a goal in life? Did it did it set you on the street, <laughs> something like that, or or did it affect your work and say, hey, I want to draw like that person, or I want to write and tell stories like that person? I can get into some specific influences later, but broadly, the sort of the greatest influence on. <laughs> me as a person and what I well, what I like to do as a creator is late nineties Marvel. Admittedly, like the worst performing time in Marvel history, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> just they they took some really weird risks at the time, and I feel like some of those paid off and brought them back from the brink of death. But the fact that they were willing to get really gritty with some of the stuff, so it was still your average spandex dudes, uh, but you had. Uh, uh, Vulcan murder, er, murdering Cyclops' dad. You had Carnage just ripping people to shreds. It, uh, the ability to kind of be a little more 
grizzly, I guess, or just mm-hmm. a little more gritty with uh, traditionally a medium associated with kids. I feel like it needed to get that gritty before people realized, like, oh, I, this is not for kids at all. This is... <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> I have lots of nodding. Lots yeah. of nodding. <laughs> oh, interesting. Wait, what, what, what time? To, what, when was that? You said mid-90s? Mid-90s to late-90s, yeah. What time zone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mid-90s Pacific Standard. <laughs> The Pacific Standard was a gritty time zone. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I, um, <laughs> really? So I, I, I can. I will say, and I, I know you guys. I, I, I just beat the Iron Man horse to death. But that was that was me. It was late '80s, '90s Iron Man. And um, that's what I that's what I what got me into comic books and that that iconic image of Iron Man and the the uh, the, the, the Bob Layton the suit with the, the the arm thingies and the leg thingy the arm warmers and the leg warmers on it and uh, him flying along and that's just it was like the pinnacle of technology and I know it's comic books and made up but it was like that's what just for. For an eight-year-old boy in imagination, that I, I, that's all I could think about was was like Iron Man suit and those those cool stories and the stuff he could do. And I am not a good uh, visual artist. I, I can't. I, I can look at something and I can sort of draw it. I can copy a comic book, but I, I can't just draw. But I would draw the uh, iron man war machine and then the rest of the avengers uh you know and i i would draw these battles and i would i i loved everything about the whole genre which then went into kind of kind of this the sci-fi genre uh and um and then it, drawing machines and drawing spaceships and those sorts of things so oh, yeah. uh, that the Iron Man comic is, is really just like what sparked my imagination. Um, and, and, and that's, that's kind of seared into my psyche and those, those stories and those, those images and that art style. So if we, we get to talking about styles that we like and styles that influence uh, those of you who, who art um, those styles are what I kind of connect with. So, so let me ask you a question. Did you ever run around with those oversized winter gloves that look like they could be Iron Man's gloves? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did, but because power Rangers. Yes. Yes. do that now, but I don't <laughs> <wear> gloves, so. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> or, or do I? <laughs> <laughs> now we kind of for better looking ones. But... Yeah, right? Now you get the isotoner. Right, right. Isotoner with repulsor technology. We've got those those really stupid, like the, the uh, for me they're hand-me-downs, but the wraparound sunglasses, there's just like one band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just <laughs> run around acting like I have Cyclops, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would do it. I'm telling you. Yeah. So there was one time I was into Dick Tracy. I used to have a yellow raincoat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a little harder to hide. <laughs> I, I was one of uh, five million other uh, young lads who bought a trench coat uh, and, uh, shortly after the release of The Matrix. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <your> <laughs> uh, well, I'll go. Um, I uh, grew up, I actually talked a little about this um, in the first issue of Kalis, but you know, I'm assuming some of you, one or two of you, haven't read that. Um, and the letter at the front. But uh, I uh, was a huge fan of the vision growing up in the 80s. Um, and I, it never occurred to me to ask myself why until I really became an adult and was able to look back on that time and realized that the vision was a very kind of, he was an emotional, he, he had deep emotion but didn't know how to express it very well. Um, he was surrounded by friends, but they were also so vastly different from him that he probably felt a lack of connection or at least some level of camaraderie a lot um, for a fictional character, you know. But on the other hand, he also had a very attractive wife who loved him anyway. And was the two of them against the world and and there was a vision scarlet witch limited series in the mid early 80s that really captured this really well and i found myself just reading that thing over and over and over again and all the issues where the vision and the scarlet witch were in it um and if they were a guest star in someone else's book i had to buy it um but nobody but i wouldn't have been able to say why until maybe 10 or so years later when I realized I felt exactly the same way as the vision growing up. I didn't have a lot of friends. My dad was in the military. We moved all over the place. I never had any really strong connections. Um, I struggled as a kid to, you know, I assumed that a woman would never see anything of value in me. Um, I didn't know how to talk to average people my age. And then I saw this guy in the comics and he didn't know that stuff either, but he knew how to shoot lasers out of his eyes. There you go. <laughs> and he, he was one of the most powerful guys on earth, but that didn't make him any easier. To, it didn't make it any easier for him to relate to people. And that just really kind of resonated with me. And the fact that he found his soulmate. Uh, maybe I just felt that that meant there was hope for me. I don't know. But uh, for that reason, the vision and I were just like pals. <laughs> One of us wasn't real, but it was, you know. And then when the whole John Byrne monkeyed around with the vision in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, it, it ruined my weekend. You remember when eventually uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch broke up? Because he now had the personality of a literal toaster and <laughs> just kind of you know, sustain the relationship. He was pale white and it's just weird. And so that was the end of that. And I remember I was like, you can't do that. You must really hate love dude, or something like that. It, it's something in my early twenties that was in that. Yeah. It took me a while. So you must I've be seen pretty... anything like it in comics yeah. that resonated with me as a person like that. So, so you're pretty excited to look forward to that. Uh, WandaVision? Yeah. I, if I, I, and I've said this before, but if I could go back, back in time to my uh, teen, 16 year old self and say, you are going to see a TV show with Wanda and, 
and it's going to be just like you imagined. The 14-year-old would, would tell me I was full of crap. There was no way anything <laughs> like that could ever happen to right. something you, cool and mainstream in television. So. You can't talk to me that way. I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up. And then I would punch myself in the face and lose a tooth, and then I would be missing a tooth, and I'd be like, paradox! And then, so, so I hope I actually do that. Unless it's the end game time time travel, then you might be all right in this timeline. Hope it's the end game and not time cop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or looper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What about what about one of our uh, pencil or ink or color visual artists? What what influence has um, in the broad sense? If you want to start with the broad sense that comic books have had on you, uh, and then if you want to narrow it down to specifics, go for it. Um, I can go. Go for it. Uh, but in, in my case, it was TV that brought me into comics, and then and then comics got something. I would see everything on TV first, and then I would realize I was a comic about it. And and by the time I was a kid and I had TV, they would have cartoons, and the only cartoons that I would see would be the the, the most trending ones at the time. That was like the anime. So it was Dragon Ball. It was all uh, this this uh, strong Japanese fighter characters, and. Um, even though they would show some American shows, some X Men, I grew up with X Men Evolution. I grew up with other shows like that. But some of, one of the reasons I, I always felt more in touch, and later on looked for the books, uh, was with anime because most of the characters didn't have this. I'm fighting crime because I lost my father. I'm fighting crime because I'm looking for revenge. There was more of this. Uh, code of the samurai thing that I never saw before where the character wanted to do it because it was the right thing to do because it was for his own happiness for his own sense of life and for me that was just like so you don't need a reason to be a hero you can do it because you know it's the right thing to do and for me that was like it always got my attention over the characters that were like no I'm only doing it because he killed my mother so it's just like Okay, yeah, that makes sense because I don't want to lose my mom to have superpowers, you know. Right. Like, <laughs> and uh, it, it, one of the characters that got me the most was uh, from another of this Japanese series where he becomes actually the strongest character in the whole world and everything. But the only reason he did it was so he could uh, enjoy his life and like end his life in the most chill out way possible. And everybody would tell them, like, what are you going to do when you get out of the power of the universe? In the universe? And he's like, I just want to chill. I want to be so strong that I don't worry ever again. And for me, that was just, like, mind-blowing. And, and it just gave me, like, characters can be like that. Characters can be, can aspire to simple things. So that was, like, stuck with me. I whenever I would see characters like that comic books or movies that was it will usually take my attention it's like they see life in a meta level than any other else and later on i would realize that in comic books because most of these series have comic books they, they, it's, it goes way deeper with it uh so i would always get more involved with the mangas or the comic books of the series because they had much more detail much more content 
It wasn't just the action thing. And one of the comics that got me really into was, if I have it, let me get into my library. I don't think I have it. But there was this old series called Kitaro. And it was about this little kid that fought monsters. And at some point, the, this animated series was very like horror looking for kids. And there was a lot of death, but like the concept of death. But the character was really sweet. And the, the, the monsters he would fight, they were horrendous. They were just hideous, but they were good monsters. They did it because they wanted to protect, wanted to protect the world. They attacked people because they were destroying the forest. And that also stuck with me. Like, you also don't need to be a super handsome child man to, to have good reasons, like, you know, to be good. And I have this book, this is from the mangaka, probably you guys know a little bit. His name is Shigeru Mizuki. Yeah, he's my favorite Asian artist ever. He passed away not many years ago, but uh, his whole life, is like an inspiration for me. He got forced to go to war. He survived, but he got, how you call it? Malaria? Mm -hmm. He had to survive in the middle of the jungle for like half a year without knowing the war was over. And he was the last one surviving. Uh, he lost his arm, his drawing arm. So he had to relearn how to draw. And he ended up making this, this whole series of stories about this kid who would fight to protect, like, to protect humans and monsters at the same time. And it would always have this moral about the world, which was really interesting. Maybe I can show a couple of the pages. Hmm. Uh, it has a very classic 80s style, but some of the crazy things I, he did that would always take my attention was that he, even though he was strong with his opposite hand, he could just do these crazy backgrounds and mix them with, let me move this here. He would mix it with like crazy details of creatures like this. And have just, it was an insane amount of detail, but also you would see very simple looking characters at the same time. Let me see if I can. So he would draw people like that at the same time that you would see crazy stuff background. So it was a weird mixture of characters, something that easy on others. It made me realize that you don't need to have a very specific style or things don't have as long as you're satisfied with the work. So this guy was was is a huge influence on me. I have almost every book he made. He's also known for making the book the manga of Hitler and you can find it and it's really interesting because he draws this Hitler as the, the very silly looking clown, but then he's drawn in the most beautifully drawn Berlin Avenue, and it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> he's one. <laughs> the other one is this guy that I knew not long ago, and he showed me a new way for me to see comics. Probably you guys know. Because Oh, uh, uh, like he's Italian. He passed away as well not long ago. And I think 2015. And um, well, so one of the reasons I like him is because he just breaks the rule of how comic books should be made. He makes his own lay 
his own way to tell story. Uh, he also never followed the rules of how to color comic books. He would do everything his own way. That became very signature of his work. And well, I use him as a reference for how how to get very good ideas for layouts. He would mix shapes with people to make panels and use just the shadows. Uh, that means his work is not very like stool type of thing, but I think it's a very interesting thing. Um, contemplative, you know, for like meditation, uh, how you say it? it? It makes you think a lot just to be like, oh, this is beautiful. You enjoy the picture more than the story itself. Mm. So visually as a, as a style, he inspires me a lot. And the last one that I always talk about because I really love him is this guy. <laughs> and well, I always say it, I like him because uh, he's the clear example that you don't have to make a good story, a serious story look serious as long as the story itself is good. You can make a story still going to get you and you're still going to get invested in it. Discovering um, him was a great surprise. Top one here, and those are my three my three artists that, that in comic book that I always I would I always have them here. They always make me feel things. Can you? Um, I did my homework. I studied. You did a great job. That was excellent. Uh, are you able to? I, I'm getting hurt. Her video is a little wonky for me. Is yeah. It just me? Uh, no, uh, oh. Uh, oh. Yeah, Sid's video is uh, legging out. Yeah, I think your video is catching up to your audio and your. It's... I am so sorry. No, it's okay. No, 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 it's okay. You're, like I said, you're, you're, your internet has to travel Oopsie. a lot of this. Uh, so it, can, you, can you list, or can you put it yeah. in the, the video, the names, the folks you just, you just mentioned? Because that's good stuff, and if people want to look those um, creators up in those titles, I think that would be very helpful. So first one would be this, uh, Shigeru Mizuki. Maybe you guys can write it down. Mm -hmm. are, you, are, you, are you taking notes, Scott? I am. Or something? I have a, <laughs> yeah, okay. a, a pencil. And a cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Here's the first one. <laughs> Good. So he's the first one that okay. has a very interesting way to tell stories. The second one is mm, his name is not really big. It over there it says Toppy, Sergio Toppy. T O P P. All right. Italian. And the third one is uh, Stan Sakai that everybody knows. This guy, Stan Sakai. <laughs> cool. Thank you. And surprisingly, most none of them has robot related content. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Which is weird. 
But yeah, Transformers didn't change my life. I love them, but it didn't change my life. Optimus, <laughs> <laughs> you disappoint me. Tra Transformers, I think I said this before. My kids didn't grow up with... Um, we lived in the country, so we didn't, we didn't get cable, and we didn't have uh, really good broadcast television. And for my kids, it really wasn't Saturday morning cartoons. So I bought the original 80s Transformers on DVD, and they had grown up with, you know, Disney DVDs. And, this, and so we're watching Transformers. And, you know, it after these messages, we'll be right back. And then it comes back and plays that last little bit of before the commercial break. And my son at, at like three years old is like, why does it keep doing that? <laughs> he has no concept of commercial breaks. And then they, they have to play that last little bit because – in that minute of commercial, you would have forgotten what just happened. The impending doom. Uh, yeah. that again. You would go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. and well, you know, son, you didn't know you were actually watching a commercial, but they take breaks to show us actual commercials. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no concept. The adrenaline rush when the commercials were on. Oh. And you have to leave somebody there to tell you if it was back on or not. Yeah, it's back on! Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the 20th century, how little we knew. <laughs> We're so young. <laughs> uh, Haley, can I put you on the spot? Why don't you yeah. go for it? Okay, Do you remember the question? Yeah, should I start like broad? Sort yeah. of, broad yeah. in the comics? Um, yeah, so I didn't, like, yeah, I guess I could say I'm kind of new to the whole comics world, too. Like, I didn't grow up reading comics, really. I, I mean, at all. Um, I, uh, but I was, like, in, like, middle school and high school, I was big into art and, like, posting art on there and following artists on there. And so from there, I found out about web comics. And so I, like, you know, read some of those and just the whole, like, people make just independently making their own thing like their own characters and doing all the art all the writing and that and like it wasn't until much later that I decided I wanted to actually make comics myself I always um like the characters in my comic that I do on my own right now like I came I can't even remember like when I came up with them I've just been drawing them for like there's some really old like bad drawings of these same characters um, so yeah, so kind of just seeing other people that had that were like me and that they enjoyed coming up with their own characters and drawing them and making up stories for them, kind of like that just really um, just got me in that mindset of like, this is a thing that you can do without having needing like a studio to like animate it for you or do yeah. any kind of you can just um, do it on your own. So that's like generally where i uh started with that i guess mm -hmm. that answers the question yes definitely yeah and, and yeah, i have more specific ones if, i don't know if we're gonna do that later no no go for it and, and i know i know you say about the halfway point you you might have to jump that's ship true. so that's okay. okay go for it yeah so i should yeah so i've got a couple here so um yeah like this really random one this might be like one of the first this adventure time comic which like i oh. never even really watched adventure time like i don't know why adventure time. This out to me, but oh, yeah. I, really, I really liked um 
this and this was like one of probably one of the first comics that I like bought and I was like okay I think I'm gonna start making my own comic I should actually like own some and like kind of study them so I like looked at this one a lot and was like okay here's kind of how they do the dialogue and like and it's really like you know nice. it's, like, it's really like the super cartoony and I think all of the like text in here is hand drawn which is fun and just and just looking it's like a very simplified style like not all the panels even have shading and stuff and it kind of was just like encouraged me like okay even if my style isn't super detailed and I don't want to take the time like drawing all of this and making sure all this anatomy is like totally perfect like okay it can still be like a good looking comic and so that I don't know this one's just important to me because it's like the first one that I kind of was like okay this was like kind of the start of my collect like growing collection I guess um mm -hmm. and then and then another one I don't know if you've seen this Simona this um started as a web comic and then has now been published um and I remember like I think I was following so, so Noelle Stevenson is the artist of that um and she's gone on to work in like animation I think she's like I don't know if she's like the director or something on um the Netflix Shira show she's the showrunner yeah so yeah. yeah so she's you know gone on to do big stuff and I think she just started like posting her drawings on the internet and got big so um yeah so this comic this is like one of the first ones where I probably started reading it like when it started and I remember like when it ended too and like reading it all online and just like going on that journey from start to finish with like a web comic that uh you know was going for years and I think the the year that it like concluded um was my senior year of college which is when I started working on my own comics I started it as like my senior thesis project and that's kind of what prompted me to like actually start making comics so that was um around that time and then okay I think I'll show two more <laughs> so um another comic artist that I really like is Jason Brubaker and here's one of his but this book called Sithra and it's um like a whole big series of it and he so he has a YouTube channel where he like does a lot of like he'll do like streaming with other artists like we're doing here and um like just talking about like making comics and stuff and it's just really um inspiring and encouraging and he um he started out like he used to work for DreamWorks and had like a really nice job there and he worked on like all the kung fu panda movies and stuff and then but he always wanted to do his own comics so he um eventually quit his nice animation job that's like a lot of people's dream jobs and moved out of hollywood and now just makes comics full-time so i'm like i'm just that's super cool because i kind of like i grew up in california and i always kind of was like i want to work for disney or pixar or something and that was kind of my dream job and now I'm like you know a couple years ago I moved to Florida so completely the other side from where all that movie making stuff happens but um I've kind of realized you know what I think I would rather because like Jason Brubaker he says that like he was getting really kind of disillusioned like didn't like the whole Hollywood atmosphere and wasn't um he wanted to do like his own thing rather than making someone else's idea that he's maybe not necessarily passionate about so I think that's like that's really cool because mm -hmm. I enjoy like having the freedom to um like work on my own stuff and not or, or like pick projects to work on and not just be like okay this is the thing that 
you're working on because it's your job and you may not necessarily care about it, which, um, so Roland, yeah, so that, like that, so, and his art, I should show some of his art too. Like his, yeah. Another thing about his books, like they're, he always does like these nice hardcover books. And this is actually the smallest one in this series, but like the art just got like a really unique art style. Like I'm starting to find like the main girl, like she has a really like angular face like the style is really interesting and um he likes to uh make the book itself be like a piece of art and there's like there's a lot of like kind of like prose I guess written out there's like images and that like it's mostly comic but there's also kind of like novel sort of stuff and um he wants in like his um his like I guess his company that he publishes his stuff independently through is called coffee table comics because he wants his books to be like it's like a nice like art piece that you'd stick on your coffee table and like start a conversation hmm. which i think is cool i like the idea of like the book itself also being an art form because yeah because even though i started like reading web comics now i'm like oh i like physical books too uh roland in the I facebook love chat graphic novels uh, says he also likes Brook He also likes Brubaker and has Sithra volumes one and two. Okay, well, yeah, I just discovered him when he was kickstarting the last book, and there's six, and they're all um, hardcover. So it was like a hundred bucks for the whole set. I was like, I want it. <laughs> it's so pretty. <laughs> but yeah, and then yeah, then my last one. This is probably my favorite comic is Space Boy by Stephen McCraney. And um, this one, it started um, on Webtoons, and, and it's still going. Like, it's really long. It's still going on Webtoons. And then the print books are got picked up to be published by Dark Horse, which is cool. Um, yeah, and I just really like It's just a really good story. It's, like, kind of sci-fi, but there's also, like, you know, normal, like, high school drama, but without being too, like, annoying. <laughs> it's just really, like, the characters are really, like, well written and relatable and then the art's like and this is just the first book the art actually like gets a lot better but I like there's kind of like a limited color palette and um the whatever brushes he uses for the outlines are kind of more textured which I think my screen is still shared like I totally stole that for the brush (laughs) that I'm using for these lines I was like I like the textured look because I normally just use like the default photoshop round brush but this one I like edited it a bit to be uh, like textured and just that it works it's not scaling yeah artistry is scaling so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so I'm like I want yeah and I love yeah and I just love like having books in general like even sometimes if I read a comic that I don't even like I might still be inspired because I'm like it exists it's a comic and I want to do that too make things exist <laughs> like it just yeah I don't know if that makes sense I'm just like oh it's just cool that there's a story being told in these pictures <laughs> these sequential pictures so, really cool. yeah that was perfect that I've ever talked <laughs> thank you <laughs> where's my water <laughs> well done good stuff yeah. I love it that I love it because you guys have uh it's neat to find out what 
what's inspired you and what's changed mm-hmm. you and uh and what's what makes you want to create um we'll keep going with this conversation i know brent's not going to stay through the break i want to make sure he has a chance to talk if he wants to talk and i want to say hey tim are you awake with those sunglasses on i'm straight up weekend at bernie's over here man <laughs> <laughs> oh we're good you need your pina colada yeah. <laughs> brent you, you have anything to to, to say before before we uh, uh, go to the um, review and then into the next hour? Um, you know, um, I'll just say briefly that um, I uh, I have actually grown up with comics. Um, I read, I loved the Avengers way before the Avengers became cool. Um, <laughs> and I started with G.I. Joe. I, I came on with Marvel and the superheroes, and I read a lot of them. And, and, and um, um, I can't remember when the transition happened, but I, I really started looking for comics that moved me. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot, uh, and some of the bigger companies have a harder time doing that because their characters are unable to change too much. And as such, the only they um, lean a little bit too hard on telling an interesting plot. And interesting plots are fun, and that's why you can get these humongous crossovers sometimes. But um, I remember, um, and I hate that it's so popular because it makes me feel less cool, but when I read Watchmen, I remember being so emotionally riveted not just by the drama that was in the story, but also by the uh, just the um, kind of the the uh, dealing with questions of meaning of what's the nature of right and wrong. Um, and I remember thinking, I can't believe a comic book can ask these kind of questions in a way that is still really fun. And um, and frankly, the pictures were pretty awesome too. So um, that really just is what kind of spun me off of comics are cool, fun, nerdy things and started becoming like a relevant uh, way to tell a really good story. And and I love, even now, discovering comics like Lock and Key and Saga has some of that going on and and uh oh man i could think of some others sandman even i mean stories that that aren't just interesting but um here's a great example um i really enjoy uh mark wade's writing and there he wrote for the fantastic four he did a run on the fantastic four and they were fighting dr doom and uh, they put the smackdown on Dr. Doom because that's what they do. But Dr. Doom gets a parting shot and he hits the thing right in the chest, so much so it like makes a hole. And Reed Richards, Reed Richards basically goes to pieces. Um, he's, and, and he's sitting there just trying to revive Ben, hang on, I can, I can fix you, just hang on. And finally, the invisible woman puts her hand on his shoulder and says, Reed, it's been two hours. And 
remember almost wanting to cry. And I'm an, I'm an adult male. Um, I'm rather yeah. phlegmatic. It's very hard <laughs> for me to show external emotion. And yet I'm like, <laughs> now, see, I know how Marvel works. The thing's going to be back. Shoot, he may be back before the end of the issue. Right. And I remember feeling this is what comics really can do. It can make me feel something that I didn't feel before. And in doing that, it had power over me. And um, I just found that so fascinating. I mean, I reread that part a dozen times. And um, I'm talking about it today. I mean, we're probably talking a good 10, 15 years ago that Mark Wade did his run on Fantastic Four. I don't know if anyone even remembers it at all. And yet that one scene just... The more I think about it, the more it makes me want to be a better writer, just that I can maybe tell an inkling of a story that has that kind of yeah. emotional gravity. So that's all I've got. And I should go to Well bed done. Now. Well done. <laughs> all right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Sizzlers. This is Wednesday Night Wham, hosted by Scott Wakefield. <laughs> And then there were three. If you were there at the beginning of the break, uh, you noticed about half of our folks had to bail. We have time. This has been the discussion of time zones. It's been riveting. We've got people in different <laughs> time zones and, and other sides of the globe getting tired. And uh, we appreciate their time, uh, Brent, Haley, and Sid. And our regular Wham! folks, we're missing a few. We do miss you. We love you. But those of you who are there watching, if you're out there, uh, we we know you are loyal, diehard fans, and we appreciate you. And as I always say, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for all of you. We are the Wednesday Wham! crew for Silverline. If you weren't aware, because we, we know you are our biggest fans, if you weren't aware, there is a Sunday Silverline show. I think it's called Silverline Sunday. And there is a, also a Monday show uh, where usually Roland will uh, – host and interview put one person in the hot seat and we get to know one of our silver line folks our creators uh visual or written word creators um and those are fun those are all 9 p.m eastern if i'm not mistaken also our website is silverlinecomics.com you can find all of our current titles there and very soon the two newest cat and mouse number three and Trump's number one will be available there as well. Those are being printed just about as we speak. If you back those projects on Kickstarter, thank you. Those will be coming your way in the mail very, very soon. We also have a store. The Silverline store is on Zazzle. You can just search within Zazzle uh, Silverline Comics. Put them together as one word and you get the best result. Or it is Zazzle.com slash store slash Silverline Comics. I am here with C. Michael Lanning and Vacation Tim. And tonight we are talking about how comics have influenced us. Uh, the influence comics have had on us uh, creatively, uh, professionally, and uh, just generally in our lives. We had some great comics, comments from Brent um, about uh, being searching for those great stories that you can... A lot of people think comic books are just bam pow punch explosion and while those things are great and that really we love that sort of stuff um there are a lot of great themes and 
elements within comic books that can really affect us. And Brent spoke to that. Brent talked about looking for those emotional stories and being committed emotionally to the heroes and the storylines. And then when something bad happens, we are, uh, we are affected. And that, uh, that, that can, can, can change us, can uh, uh, bring us to tears. Uh, not me, not, not a manly man like me, but other people might be brought to tears. It is uh, a great thing. Good storytelling can affect us. And that's something very awesome about this medium. We have pictures and words that put together perfectly and in good sequence can, um, can move us. So uh, I, I spoke about being young and, and, and loving high-tech stuff in, in, in Iron Man being my, my hero. And uh, Tim has talked about X-Men and X-Men of the 90s and how, yes, the 90s for comics was, was a, a, a rocky time, <laughs> rocky yeah. baby time, but they did some cool stuff. And that was the, that was the era that affected Tim. And uh, C. Michael Lanning has not had a chance to talk. He has been diligently uh, arting, and we're seeing what he's working on. What, tell us what you're working on, and then if you don't mind, tell us what has influenced you. Um, like we've been doing, start with the broad, and then get down to the specifics of, of your artwork. I can also give okay. specifics on mine after. Please, yeah. yes. I mean, if Tim would like to go first, I can. Oh, wait. Look. I'm sorry. Um, thank you, Wayne Hall, for your reviews. <laughs> and I want to give a shout out. I, I totally forgot that. He also has his own show called Wayne's Comics Podcast. Uh, we'd love if you checked that out and liked it and followed it. Uh, that's on Facebook. Uh, he makes some great stuff, great content, and he's uh, been a, a great help with Silverline. And all of us in the in- independent world, we want to help each other out. So thank you, Wayne Hall. All right, Tim, go for it. Sure. So uh, kind of like I mentioned that as being like the broad strokes, like the, my general taste in comics and storytelling came from that early influence. Uh, more specific influencers. Um, uh, be, being someone who writes more than just comics, uh, I pull from both co- uh, comics writers and novelists. So specifically in comics, uh, I'd say uh, Rick Remender and Alex DeCampi. Uh, but also in terms of novelists, uh, a lot of Philip K. Dick and uh, Richard Morgan. Uh, and the thing I, I, I thinking about this, what they all kind of have in common is uh, they all kind of operate, um, well, except for Alex, she doesn't really operate in this too much, but they all operate in that cyberpunk or kind of uh, mm-hmm. loose science fiction conspiracy yeah. area. Yeah. But uh, even, but Alex, I feel like this is a little bit more than everyone else, is they all are really good at using the buy-in. And this is something in writing theory. Uh, um, Brandon Sanderson uh, talked about this really well. Is that as a writer, uh, for every page you have, you're given one small buy-in from the audience. You can put one small fact of the story in there and they'll bite it. But for your story, you can give one massive buy-in. And this is the Star Trek, hey, we have ships that go faster than light. <laughs> Everyone just bites it because it's the one big thing here. And then we get the next big thing for the next whatever. Um, so uh, Alex Campy's uh probably the most uh, visually um, in-your-face buy-in. Uh, Archie versus Predator for Dark Horse? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, I mean... It's, I mean- 
It's super absurd. It's super bizarre, but it's just like, all right, here this universe, our Archie comics characters are getting hunted by the Predator from Ridley Scott movies. If you can make that work, you are an awesome writer. That's yeah. all there is to yes. it. Yes. <laughs> really. Uh, but um, uh, Rick Remender, his, he did Tokyo Ghost, which is also uh-huh. very cyberpunky and the buy of... Uh, it's, the buy-in is becoming less and less of a buy-in in that it's a corporatocracy. Corporatocracy, where they, uh, the corporations can hire bodyguards and hitmen to do out their own bidding, wherever. Uh, so you end up getting uh, two really cool uh, uh, bounty hunters in this universe and um, kind of dealing with mind control type stuff. Um, what? Well, yeah, but yeah. by media at that. Media, that yeah. Even, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's, people are just fed so many commercials that it, they just they're programmed to follow. Yeah, yeah. it is definitely it is a masterpiece. Really, my personal opinion. Yeah, uh, Richard Morgan uh, did uh, Altered Carbon, now a Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the buy-in of <laughs> at a certain age when you're growing up, you have a little USB put in the back of your spine that downloads your brain and personality and that when you die your usb will be put to a different body <laughs> uh and uh don't feel addicted to everything but um probably noticed for uh blade runner which was originally do androids gym of electric sheep uh minority report i really liked the three stigmata of palmer eldritch um also has to do with advertising and sales <laughs> but uh they're all really good at having these slow burn stories with a massive buy-in. When you think of how those worked out, um, uh, Star Wars, the massive buy-in, wizards exist in space. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> but then, it's a, but then, but then it's a, fa- but then it's a fast-paced action serial. So you know that happens like that. Uh, Star Trek for the time uh, was faster-paced. They they wanted to make it a little slower. They really wanted to make. The first episode of Next Generation, the first episode of the uh, original series, the producer said, we can't sell that. <laughs> Speed it up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, 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 so a lot of these places have these really big buy- uh, buy-ins, but then are followed by big action sequences. Where I like the, the slow burn with this massive buy-in up front. And I think that I, I pull a lot from authors who can do it really well. Um. Also, seen in my favorite game series, Metal Gear Solid, uh, which is just a a nightmare of metaphor. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's 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 what I I take most from my writers, and I I use recent, uh, except for uh, Philip K. Dick, uh, recent um, authors and writers because I'm heavily influenced by what I'm reading at the moment, and so these people mm-hmm. have been reading the last five years, and so of course they're going to worm their way into there somewhere, even if I'm not directly copying. It's just that's what that's what my brain is digesting. So, um, I like that you talk about novel novels and and, and their influence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, good storytelling is good storytelling, and one of my things is I, I I I've been working on, and I don't know if I'm successful or not, but um, getting the most bang for my buck, my economy of words, and then especially in the comic book world the economy of your panel to get as much out of it as possible to uh, convey as many words or as 
to communicate as much as possible, whether if it's with an image or with the fewest amount of words. Um, and uh, one of my favorite books, and I can't say he's my favorite author, um, but um, is The Road. Mm. And that, I, see, I try, it's Corm- Jack Corm- Kerouac. Or yeah, Cormac no. McCarthy, yeah, it's different. That's on the road. Not on the road. <laughs> on the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, Cormac McCarthy. I because I tried reading No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. and so the road has two characters. It's the dad and the son. So Cormac McCarthy throws away said dad, said the boy. Uh, he and he starts a chapter with with pronouns. He looked over the ridge. To, Okay, he it can be the dad of the boy. Well, in in No Country for Old Men, you don't know who he is, and and that kind of frustrated me. So I, I couldn't get through No Country for Old Men. So I can't say I'm a Cormac McCarthy fan, but The Road is one of the few novels I've reread, just because I have so many books to read. I don't reread books that that often, um, but so much is conveyed in in so with so few words in that book if you haven't read it if you're a dad or if you have kids yikes it rips your heart out um but i really really like it so what i've tried to do with the planning stages of writing is how can this opening scene this character introduction how can i convey as much as i can with with is it a line of dialogue that can give an entire backstory is it one expression that i can ask the artist to draw uh that can convey a mountain of emotions or or you know without having to say something so that's that's been one of my goals is to write and write and rewrite to 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 get the most out of as the, the you know the economy of, of of the panel of the words and um the the road is an example of a book that i, I read that i really liked because it just because that one puts me through the ringer and it's a very um very simple plot very simple dialogue there's a lot of you okay uh-huh you sure yep you're okay i am you know it's but it's it's a dad and a boy so um, I really like that. I really enjoy the simplicity of that because you can get so much more. And um, Haley, I, I wrote it down, but I don't remember which one. Haley had one of her comic books that she liked and the art was just a few colors, very simple drawings. I love it. I love it. That can, that can touch you in a way that just a a, a a sea of colors and drawings can uh, can be effective, but but just a simple panel with a few colors can can be as uh, inspiring or effective, if if not more, uh, sometimes. And it's all it's all within context. So I don't know if I explained anything there, or I just rambled right. on about about words and pictures. But uh, boy. Dad, yeah, we got it. No, <laughs> no, you did well. You did well. I'm just messing. And on the the other end of the kind of the spectrum of, of the simplicity um, is a little bit is kind of a comp- complexity. Um, my my good friend Rory, who I'm supposed to be besmirching tonight because he's not here, he bought this for me. So this is 
this is the Explorers Guild, and uh, John Baird and co-authored by Kevin Costner. Um, it is it's verbose, which is not <laughs> Cormac McCarthy. It is a uh, it is it's written in the style of early explorer. Well, not early explorers, uh, late the late explorers, or turn of the century, World War One uh, explorers time. It is seven hundred and sixty some pages. But what I love is it is a mix of, I'll see if I can find a page. It's a mix of prose and sequential art. And it's all done in sepia tones. Um, so it takes place between 1914, 1917. And uh, it's a great mix of, of just written word story. And then um, the comic art with the characters and kind of a classic punching and explosions and gunshots and fist fights and uh airplanes crashing and all that sort of stuff so uh the explorers guild has been great and i love the old pulp stories just really the the tough guy character the uh uh, doc savage um and yes he is kind of a superman that can't fly without the superpowers but he's one of those guys that uh, can memorize anything. He's a scientist, a musician, uh, can shoot a gun, can ride a horse, can fly a plane. And that is a little corny sometimes, but it just it's just fun storytelling. And those sorts of stories inspire me as well to just write those classic hero stories that are just fun. And I like those stories as well. So how, can, can I ask a question? No. Oh, okay. All right. I'll just sit here and draw then. <laughs> Back to the art corner. <laughs> Ask away. So in these things, like the road and so on, and same thing for you, Tim, how are these affecting the stories that are coming up in Silverland that y'all have doing? Uh, I am straight up writing a spy novel. That's very... Yeah. Con- uh, or, yeah. Uh, it's a spy story. It's set in a can, so it has to be kind of a slow burn. By otherwise, if you're if, if you're in the same room as the bad guy and you know it's the bad guy, it's a very short story. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I have to figure out ways of essentially uh, throwing the hero into what he thinks is the right room, only for him to realize it's not the right room. Uh, and uh, I, I tried doing something a little different, which is a little more of of the of the big buy-in, which is uh, it. It's not really spoilery. It's kind of, I guess, if people are looking for it, maybe it's a reason to buy the comic. Uh, but the uh, the villain is on page pretty early, and so it's up to the reader to find them. Actually, um, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I've been more of a horror writer type person. Um, I haven't really done much action stuff it's always been either thought uh traditional literature where it's just a man staring out a window until he thinks about something or uh something horror based but it's very slow burn i feel like that's a taking from the people that i've read um but i like uh i'm growing more into the tone that i want which is a little more grizzly like what i got from the 90s comics where you know, having a, a spy garrote someone, uh, having uh, these action sequences end in shootouts or fistfights or whatever. Right. Um, 
uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not getting into a deal because we are PG-13 press, but uh, <laughs> in my other writing, things do get, you know, I, I talk in detail about fragments of skull that get blown out uh, by a high-caliber handgun. Um, and so combining that <laughs> that 90, like, ah, screw the sensor, it's getting really weird with it, as well as the <laughs> slow burn, big buy-in um, uh, conspiracy type writing, that's that's so this is uh, not as grizzly. There are, are some some really cool moments, I think, in terms of murking people or action sequences. Um, but it is uh, there. There's a bit of a buy-in there, as well as the um, uh, slow burn element to it. And hopefully, in the future, I can do more. And if we do get like a uh, uh, an R-rated imprint, maybe I can take something really grizzly over there. <laughs> Yes. So yeah, with uh, with my the the action influences, I do want to have in Steam Patriots. Um, I want to have a good mix of it's it's a it's the Revolutionary War. There's going to be battles with cannons and muskets and bayonets and uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't want to be that the the entire focus by any means. I want it to be these scenes these short scenes but i want my characters to be interesting and so um like i was saying i with the economy of words and getting the most out of it i want to um i want to give their story without it being overt exposition i want their dialogue to be good and i want that it to be believable and i want them to be um multi-dimensional because a lot of times you'll get a war story and it's fine like if it's just you can do a good guy bad guy um but really with the american revolution it was a tough call for a lot of people it wasn't like it wasn't like england bad colonies good it was holy crud if we give up england that's a big problem for us because um that's we we are we're a colony of England, you know, England's. And so we'll have characters who are a little torn and they, they can't just easily uh, pick sides. And yes, it's going to be, it's a steampunk story. It's going to be a little uh, action adventure with, with steam engines and, and that sort of stuff. But I, I want it to be a good mix of um, what the real war or what the real struggle would have been. And, um, but then, a mix of of great kind of a, a little bit of a high adventure uh story as well cool yeah. yeah yeah i've been waiting for it so since i've yeah. gotten this over one so <laughs> <laughs> it's it'll it'll happen <laughs> it's coming um i and I, I have other you know stories in uh in in mind as well as i as we all do so um I love I love the idea of really just kind of the action adventure mm-hmm. with a hero and um, the uh, the the Tintin stories yeah. and that the movie that came out a couple years ago was was fun I liked it I don't it wasn't critically acclaimed um, but it was fun there was there was a ship there was uh, a jeep there was an airplane there was motorcycles. Um, there was punching. <laughs> there was explosions. <laughs> um, it was it was a little cheesy, um, 
it had that uh, Indiana Jones feel that you kind of yeah. you, yes. you miss, you know. Also, don't have so much anymore. I do think it's really kind of cool and also kind of serendipitous that without really any any major planning, we have two uh, historical based fiction pieces coming out. When <laughs> one alt history action adventure, one secret history spy thriller, things kind of cool. That's kind of yeah. that lined up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I love that. Um, I've got, I've got another idea for kind of a colonial or not quite colonial 1800s America story. I would love mm. um, if if the Steam Patriots world could keep growing because there's so much cool stuff. And I, this yeah. is where I geek out on on history is just like people don't know about the 1800 and Thomas Jefferson and the Barbary Wars and yeah. going in Tripoli and all that sort of stuff, and then. War of 1812 was pretty crazy too. And we, the, the things like when, when the constitution um, blew up uh, a British ship and I can't think of the name of it, but it was like the first time America after the revolution, the American Navy kicked some butt Mm -hmm. and that changed so many things. And, and then the war of 1812 and like battle of Lake Erie and all this sort of stuff. I love all that stuff. So there's so much material I wish I could just, I, w- I mean, I wish I was a zillionaire and could just keep making the story, you know, and have people work on it. Cause I've got all these ideas for it. And anybody who makes comic books, that's not Marvel or DC, you know, the, the woes of uh, <laughs> creating a story. And you know? if I could, if I could draw, Oh man, my life would be completely different, <laughs> but alas, I'm, I'm stuck sending my words to somebody to, to turn into pictures mm-hmm. And uh, they want to get paid. It's people with their wanting Wait, money. you can get paid for this? <laughs> uh, was I not supposed to mention that? See, we, we, we made the mistake of becoming staff, so we just get the uh, the monthly Del Taco burrito, and that's it. <laughs> I don't have any here, so I get mine in the mail. What's <laughs> it's, it's, it's all hard by the time it gets in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If, if if I could create all the stories, man, it would be it'd be great. Yeah, there's so much material. And and Tim, you're you're pulling from a World War II story, and mm-hmm. that's another like yeah. endless well. Yeah, if you find that that that's, little kernel. Yeah, and it's also a thing that I didn't know until recently. It was the uh, the secret economic war in Britain at the time that uh, is believed that there was north of five or six German spies in England in positions of government during the time of the war. And so that's, that's right for spy hunter material. That's yes. And what's, yeah. what was the movie? This is not quite what you're saying. It was at the, the man, the man, man in the high tower. No, 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 no. no? Um, oh, it's a movie. I think from the sixties it's, it's based on, they, they, they throw a, um, it's a, it's a dead body, but they dress him up. Mm. as a as a pilot with orders in his pocket the man who never was oh yeah yeah oh okay it's a great movie and it's because it's one of and i i'm sure because of the movie it's a movie yeah you know it's one of those great spy movies where right up to the end uh it all could be lost Mm -hmm. and that's another story yeah um the element i love those that and that's kind of what i want with steam patriots a little be the hero against the world I love those stories uh, that, uh, that like all could be lost and uh, and it's everybody against you. Um, 
I mean, kind of like The Fugitive, you know. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I saw that movie when it was in the theater, so I don't know if that one holds up, but uh, I like that movie. It does um, for me. I haven't seen it since then either, so. <laughs> the Man Who Never Was, I think. Let's see. Yes. 19... Ooh, 56. The Man Who Never Was. Espionage Thriller. It's a good one. I love all that stuff, but yeah, it's it's history is so cool when you can when you can find those those little nuggets and you can really because I mean just like uh, you know movies we get uh, it, it's not espionage but it's a great story the King's mm. Speech or yeah. um, what was the other speech one <laughs> with um with uh, Gary Oldman as Ooh. Winston Churchill um, Darkest Hour yeah 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 it's it's not mm. it's it's not the whole war it's not mm. a battle it's but it's it's one little slice, and uh, that story is told in, in amazing ways. So I I mm. love that stuff. I love it. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the movie either, but uh, the one with Alan Turing, or uh, Ben Cumberbatch, who play, uh, playing Alan Turing. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, this the that's it's the story of World War II as told through a science camp. Right. <laughs> yeah. But the the uh, something game. Imitation yeah. game. Imitation game, yeah, because they're trying to. Yeah. They, they broke the Enigma code by imitating yeah. it, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Mr. C. Michael Lanning, uh, who who influences you in your art styles? Oh. And I say styles plural because I've noticed you do a good job of, of a mix of styles. Uh, let's see. I started with comics at the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, so I was in middle school and as much as I can remember now, when the big image took off, mm-hmm. you know, you, and I was, in fact, I remember McFarlane still doing Spider-Man and Venom was coming out and all that right before that it was gritty, but it hadn't gotten to the point that Tim was talking about yeah. yet. It was getting there, but it hadn't, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, so you know that that had a lot of influence on me. I do like Todd McFarlane, not necessarily back then. His art was was awesome to a twelve year old. When you go back and you look at it, you go, "Wow, he got away with a lot." And so, so I, I, Roland likes to call him the rock star. So you know you had a lot of the rock star. You had Jim Lee, and I was never really a Jim Lee fan, honestly, uh, or Rob Liefeld for that matter. Though I don't really, I think he gets a little too much flack Liefeld does than he really <laughs> deserves but still uh so yeah you had all that the you know the superstars at that point in time Mark Silvestri and so on but uh one guy that stood out to me at that time and it come out was uh the Generation X which was uh mm. was who Scott Lobdell and of course Chris Bocciolo and I think it's Scott Lobdell. Am I saying that right? I can't remember the writer. It's not important. Anyway. <laughs> oh, all right. Sorry, guys. Uh, but Chris Bocciolo did a lot. In fact, I have this right here. And this one picture has been a huge influence on my style since the beginning. And it's this right here. This is from uh, back in the age of apocalypse times. 
you see it's a generation next and it was probably some of his best work at the time and so that was that was a real big influence there uh and of course you don't just draw from one person when you're an artist or a writer for that matter i'm so insulting me y'all i'm so sorry (laughs) i know what it's like to be a writer not a good one, but I'm still, I know what it's like. Uh, so just those kind of curves. I like those, those movements and everything. Uh, then fast forward a few years into the gritty, the gritty times, as we'll call them. And uh, I had one of the emerging artists at the time. He did, he, he was around oh, yeah. at the same time, but you had uh Humberto Ramos and you could see, this is, of course, this is back in 99, I think, 98, 99. And just see some of the stuff. You could you could see I'm kind of probably telling on myself some of this stuff. I don't know why it is back then this stood out as much as it did. And it's funny because when you look at these guys now, the way that they do something, you could tell, like, for instance, that's that's some really big eyes. I don't know. Yeah. But I liked it back then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like it now. But he's he's actually grown as an artist in the over twenty years. Golly, that just really hit me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the twenty years that he's been an artist, the same thing goes for for Jim Lee. Like I wasn't a big fan of, of Jim Lee. He had a lot of lines, but he's really grown even as an artist. Uh, there was something about his faces I didn't like. Mm-hmm. So, uh. Fast forward that. So when I got back into drawing again, I don't know, about five, six years ago, I decided that I was going to take the David Finch uh, gnome, uh, workshop thing. No, uh, I can't remember what it's called. G-N-O-M-O-N. Nomen workshop. Anyway, it's a bunch of, it's a workshop of different artists doing different things. And he had a class on there and it was, expensive at the time now he does now he gets to put everything on youtube for free and i'm like golly now you're like six seven years too late david right. <laughs> uh, after i pay 40 bucks a month but <clears throat> anyway yeah so so i learned from from that so that's why you kind of kind of get those shapes and everything and like learning how the the superhero anatomy and i wish i wish i didn't take it when i did because there's a lot to learn about drawing before you get to that point of the anatomy and everything, because uh, I really like shapes. Uh, the the uh, you can see like the roundness here on this guy. This is a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I guess to tell you this is this is Dyer Laus, of the uh, he's a villain in the Rejects comic I'm working with coming up, and uh, he he could, I don't know maybe I shouldn't tell you but he could control his lice, so <laughs> <laughs> so. That's a all right. That's a top tier power. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that's great. Say so if you're gonna fight the rejects, you might as well have something. Yeah, special. we we needed him last week. Yeah. <laughs> but uh so you and you can see that kind of style, but then also come come a little bit later, and then yeah, I came across this guy, this Rob Guillory and Chu. And What's interesting about this, Rob is the first person, you know, he's also Louisiana boy. He just, he lives uh, in Lafayette, which is about an hour from here. And uh, was, and 
I like this style. It wasn't it wasn't complicated. It wasn't complex. It, it got the story across, but it gave a feeling. And I think probably this would probably be the time that I realized art isn't just the details and the details. It's in the atmosphere of what's being what's being portrayed. And what was interesting is when I showed it my portfolio and had some stuff in there that was kind of, you know, was real perspective. And he made the statement about how, yeah, he knows the rules of perspective, you know, the, how the buildings look in distance for anybody who's watching that's not familiar with it. Uh, you know, how they look in, how something looks in the distance or, you know, it's not how wide it is and everything. How it dis, it's getting smaller in the, and towards the horizon. But uh, he said he does it. He knows the rules of perspective. He went to uh, art college and everything, but he he follows them very very loosely, and that really that meant like you can see his buildings here, you can see it's perspective based, but they're not they're not frigid, I guess you could say. Which if you do that kind of thing, that's, that that works too, but that really opened up to a lot of things for me to say, hey there's there's yeah artist subjective uh, you always hear people say artist subjective i like to say artist subjective anatomy is not because <laughs> people put a muscle down you know yeah. but you know it's like yeah art subjective that uh, but it really kind of when you, once you know those principles you know those those on how to do something you know of course i'm sure as writers i've heard that story that statement before that uh, learn the rules so you know how to break them. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, and, yep. the, and the same thing works with art too. Yeah. So it's, oh man, I can't remember who said it, but art is about knowing what, not knowing what to add, but what to take away. Yeah. Yep. And that was that's one of the main things. So, and if anyone watching listening wants to get that story in written form, uh, see Michael Lanning put that in our craft series early in the year. Oh, on yeah. the Serverline website. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, and that's one thing that I, I really kind of doubled down on is trying to get that form. Yeah, understanding that form, what what's that convey? Like this little guy right here, he's he doesn't look like a he he looks happy, but not for the right reasons. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Impish. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's uh, I forgot who said this, but someone said the nice thing about being a writer. Uh, this does this does parallel to being an artist, I, I believe. The nice thing about being a writer is you can just say something happens, and it happens. Yeah. And if someone has a question, if your editor comes back to you, he's throwing a throw at I'm like, that's why. It's because that guy said it has to happen that way. Right. <laughs> well, I'm sure as, as an artist, you can draw something some way and you're like, oh, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Who, who was talking about that the other day? What it's like when an Iron Man said, hey, uh, Tony Stark did it in the cave. <laughs> yeah. somebody, somebody said it. Yeah. But, yeah, that, yeah. that was the. Uh, Iron Man one that was the solution. They don't yeah. try to explain yeah. the art yeah. right or yeah. how repulsors work. He just says, "Well, I'm not Tony Stark." The, and <laughs> there it is, <laughs> right? Well, that, and that's what I'm using for the technology. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna explain how the boiler carriages work in mm-hmm. in Steam Patriots. They're gonna work. And if you want to get into that, like it's the mystery science theater. If if um, what's the wonder how they eat and breathe, eat and breathe. for science facts yeah. <laughs> yeah. say to yourself it's just a comic just relax yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh i i made the unfortunate uh error in wolf hunter and that there's one moment where i had to do the deep dive to figure out why something can happen 
It's like, why can't they just search everything? I'm like, well, okay, so there's this British law that got passed one year prior, <laughs> and then this subsection of the article. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I go down the history rabbit hole yeah. with, with Steam Patriots, and I, I have to stop because mm-hmm. no one needs to know. Oh, lost audio and Scott again. That's unfortunate. Uh, connection is still stable, so it's just Zoom. Let me... <laughs> oh, he muted you. There we go. Inter- okay. There it is. All right. yeah, that's the way it takes care of it. Yep. <laughs> We're trying to, I'm just trying to reset something. So now, so by muting Scott, I can now hear C-Michael landing. Oh, okay. So I'm asking him to unmute Scott. Scott, you can now unmute yourself if you wish to, I believe. There we go. All right. Good. That string of expletives should not have been on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what I was. Oh, the rabbit hole, rabbit hole yeah. of, of history. People don't need to know the 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 how the Stamp Act affected uh, right. my story. If they want to learn that, I'd love to point them toward that with the story and make them interested. Mm. Make them interested, uh, but. Yeah, I, with, I'm sure you do the same thing. You, There's you, some you, things where it's, it's like, well, why is this thing happening? Well, the conductor has a timetable. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but it'd be kind of, and you got, uh, you've read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So, oh, yeah. Well, oh, my gosh. <laughs> look, yeah. look, the Nautilus, I didn't need to know how to make them scale. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, were we ta- were we talking about uh, Swiss Family Robinson and how the dad knows everything <laughs> in the book, not the Disney yeah. movie, but the book? He he knows how to how to render the rubber tree plant. He knows how to carve rocks. He knows astronomy. He knows the weather. He knows uh, it, it, incredible amount of knowledge. And maybe maybe people were just that smart back then, and we're a bunch <laughs> of dullards. But I really felt. <laughs> It was hard to believe, but it's a fun story. Uh, but yeah, it, it it he knows well, just like uh, what Doc Savage, the 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 pulp comic, he can do everything. James Bond too. Sometimes like how, why why what? would James Bond know that? Yes, <laughs> he's just a dude that can shoot a gun. <laughs> why would he know botany or biology? Uh, okay, all right. Uh, I, we're we're flying off the rails here. It's ten fifty seven here on the East Coast. Uh, I think it's time to wrap up. We have been discussing how comics have affected us, both our lives, our emotions, our uh, very souls, and also our uh, creative side. How we create our stories and how we write them and draw them, and how they affect um, our, our storytelling, our techniques. And uh, our our visual arting as you're watching C. Michael Landing there create a impish uh, villain for an upcoming series. Uh, thank you, folks, for being out there. Let's let's say goodnight. It's just three of us. I'll start. I my name is Scott Wakefield, and I am the uh, co-creator and co-writer of Steam Steam Patriots, an upcoming title for Silverline, and it is at Steam Patriots on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you want to. Uh, share the love and talk about Silverline and talk about your comic books. If you have a podcast or, or some such that's similar, uh, reach out to me and we can discuss promoting your projects and promoting ours because we all are in this 
indie world together. Uh, see Michael Lanning, go for it. Say good night. Uh, see, uh, good night. Uh, see Michael Lanning. <laughs> check me out at uh, Facebook. See Michael Lanning. Uh, uh, of course, Twitter. See Michael Lanning. Drop the G. Add a two. Uh, I do have a art page, but you know, send me the. Uh, befriend me on facebook and i'll send you an invitation so that's good, that's good. and where do they where are they going to find you on friday uh you t- check me out on comics newswire it's by the comic book advocate you can look at uh comic book advocates.com or uh on youtube it probably uh you could probably even look it up at indie vault for that matter so perfect thank you sir vacation tim i am relaxing. i am um tim uh, i'm the associate editor at silverline producer of the wednesday show and writer such creator of wolf hunter i'm also on vacation all this week so don't try to get a hold of me um <laughs> but i am on all the social media at tim tk writer i'm on tiktok at tim doesn't tiktok where i have uh recently found my home in punk rock literature tiktok uh the the hybrid of talking about books and talking about punk rock and it is a beautiful hey. place indeed uh Hi. <laughs> I am also here on Twitch where I'll be going live in a little bit with some destiny, and that is at agrobacon, A-G-G-R-O, bacon, one word. Uh, mahalo. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen, and thank you to the rest of our Wednesday Wham folks uh, who had to leave. And uh, for those of you who couldn't be here, we miss you. We love you. And for those of you out there watching and participating and commenting in the chat, Thank you. We love you, too. We appreciate you being here. Uh, don't forget, there's a Sunday show, 9 p.m. Eastern. There's a Monday show, 9 p.m. Eastern. All of our Silverline creatives are out there chatting, and you can get to know them. If you're not watching this live, still feel free to comment, and we will try to get back to those. Uh, if you've got questions, always like, share, follow, share away, and uh, we appreciate you for your support. That is it. Good night, and make mine Good Silverline. Mine See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.